Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an exciting guest uh, on the show today. Ken McElroy is the principal and co-partner of MC Companies, uh, has over 20 years of senior level experience in multifamily uh, asset property management, development, project construction management, investment analysis, acquisitions and dispositions, uh, business development and client relations. He has purchased over $300 million in real estate in just the last two years uh, and offers uh, a unique property management perspective. Uh, interestingly enough, he is also uh, one of the advisors uh, for Robert Kiyosaki, uh, of course, of the uh, Rich Dad uh, franchise, uh, or empire, I should say, not franchise. And um, he has a wonderful book. A wonderful, wonderful book called The Sleeping Giant, and it has been endorsed by Robert Kiyosaki as well as Donald Trump. Thank you, my friend, for being with me today. Yeah, of course. It's great to be here. Thank you. Well, let's talk about, well, how did you meet uh, Robert Kiyosaki and um, become a Rich Dad advisor? How did that uh, relationship begin for you? Well, you know, life's, life's funny. I, I, uh, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, starting businesses. Right now, uh, we're, we, you know, we're, we're in multifamily, just trying to buy as much as we can. Uh, but I met Robert um, when I was basically raising money for for a business. Uh, you know, right after he had launched Rich Dad Poor Dad, and we became friends. Then, and uh, then he started investing with us. I guess it's been uh, seven or eight years ago. So we just become really good friends since then. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, obviously you know what you are doing. Obviously you are the unequivocal expert in what you're doing. And Sleeping Giant is an absolutely uh, fantastic book and a must-read. Why did you decide to do this book at this particular time, which is really a compilation of uh, top entrepreneurs uh, around the country? Well, one of the things that I've been trying to do, obviously, is, is make my business better. Um, we have my company right now has uh, 200 employees, and um, you know, so I'm, I'm always struggling with you know all the issues with uh, growing a company and employee issues and and all those things. And I joined an organization 12 years ago called Entrepreneurs Organization or EO. And I'm also in another one called YPO. And those organizations, what they do is they just focus on, on business and personal development. And through the years, I've met, you know, these fabulous entrepreneurs that have businesses. And it's a peer-to-peer -peer network, basically, where you, you're just kind of learning about other businesses and, and learning about how they run them and things that they do. And, and it just gives you a bigger picture and, and so 
when we started getting all this fallout from, uh, you know, this unemployment, primarily, as, you know, a lot of this uh, was real estate related, and um, the unemployment got so high, I just figured that there was going to be lots of people that were going to have to be faced with choices, um, you know, what to do next. And um, and these folks, most of them, have a lot of really unique skills, and, and but they, they never, never, maybe never thought of starting their own business. So... So I went to 20 folks that were in EO, and I said, um, what I want you to do is I want you to write um, about all the things you would have done differently when you started a company or started your own business for yourself the first time. Now that you can look back and your business is successful, mm-hmm. what would you have changed? And that's what I got. I got um, We got hundreds of submissions, and I ended up with 20 people that we picked, and uh, we got people from all over the world, young, old, you know, um, women, men, and uh, it's. I, I think it turned out pretty good. Yes, it did. How did you choose the entrepreneurs? How did you whittle it down to twenty? <clears throat> well, I um, what I what I was really looking for was I was looking for people that had different stories. So, in other words, I I didn't. There's, as, for example, there's really no one in the book that's real estate related. Um, I wanted it to be. I wanted them to be completely different, so I wanted the, the the kids from I got the kids from Stanford that you know went to an entrepreneur school and and uh, you know they worked on basically a business plan you know while they were there and then they went out into the world and and they got annihilated by you know venture capital money and then I you know I wanted that I wanted the guy that got fired from the bank job and and mm-hmm. I got him I wanted the homeless guy that you know created something from nothing and you know I wanted the the executive that was working for a big Fortune 500 company and, you know, stumbled across something. So I was really looking for diversity uh, across lots of different businesses, and, and and I wanted each one to be different. So I wanted somebody who had done business internationally, and I wanted somebody that lived in, in an international area and was trying to do business with the U.S. And so it was really, you know, as I read all the stories, I wanted – I just really wanted to for them to all be completely different. Well, you definitely achieved that, and what a wealth of wisdom. Speaking of wisdom, I want to talk about uh, some specifics in the book uh, as it relates to uh, the wisdom that you uh, offered uh, in the beginning of the book as you started to set up uh, the the uh, uh, set up these wonderful entrepreneurs. Uh, and their and their stories. You, you said that nobody goes into a job nowadays thinking this is it. You know, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Talk to me about that. How that has changed so radically. Well, you know, as as an employer, I see it. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess I I grew up in in an era where my my parents and a lot of my friends' parents kind of, you know, they worked somewhere. And they were rewarded for working there by retirement and, um, you know, some kind of a pension and, you know, and then, then that was good enough. And, and, uh, but, you know, as you, as you've seen, and we all seen a lot of, a lot of that, and that just doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, you know, and so I think people have been kind of forced to make a change, you know, a lot of the young folks, um, literally, they don't look at, you know, I'm going to go to work here and work for a long period of time anymore. What they're looking for is experience. 
Um, and, and, you know, it's just and, – and, and on the other side of that, I, I just don't think that there's quite the corporate loyalty. There is in, in a lot of cases, but in most cases, there's not quite the corporate loyal, loyalty like there – like there used to be where you would go somewhere and every, you know, 10 years you'd get, you know, a gold watch, and then, you know, 20 years you'd get whatever, and all of a sudden by, by the end of your career you have, you know, a bunch of money in the bank, you'd own your home, and, and uh, your kids are off to college, and um, I just don't think it's that easy anymore. And so, so what I was trying to point out here is, um, but I also don't think that, I think, you know, the world is really flat. You know, Thomas Friedman has that great book, The World is Flat, and, and, and I couldn't agree with that book, any, you know, more. He he talks about how we're so connected with everything that it will just take manufacturing, for example. You know, everything used to be made in China, um, and now it's moved to, you know, as China labor costs go up, now it's, it, 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 you know, it's gone to Vietnam and Malaysia and, and some other areas. And in fact, if you go to the gap in China, the label says made in Malaysia, if you can believe it. So, <laughs> Amazing. So it, it's the truth. So, you know, what, what happens is as these corporations, they start to look to, you know, they're always going to go with the low-priced option, and I think when we were growing up, you know, it was all, you know, made in the USA, and we were all trying to keep that, and, and uh, you know, I, I agree with that. I would love that to happen, but as corporate profits get squeezed and margins become tighter, people uh, will look outside of the U.S., and um, that's happened, and there's hundreds of thousands of jobs that are that have moved out of the U.S., um, and I'm just talking about manufacturing at the moment, you know. There's, so I'm just concerned. I'm concerned that, you know, that there's just not going to be the options that that were available. And um, I was just trying to, you know, put a little dent in unemployment if I can. By you know, because the, the people, my experience is that the people that have are, have lost jobs and are looking for work are really solid, good people with good skills. Um, they just don't know what to do with them. So mm -hmm. I was hoping to maybe just inspire them a bit. Well, you know, the other thing is is that uh, I think there is a uh, – when you talk about, uh, you know, there's no longer really a loyalty, I think that uh, most uh, people uh, who have been unemployed uh, or laid off are a little bit skittish uh, in – company loyalty because they feel that they don't have job security anymore. And so there's kind of like a, um, uh, what, 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 how can I say it, you know, kind of like an unemployment schizophrenia that's running around rapid uh, in the economy right now. And you say in this economy, you really don't have that much to lose. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's, I just don't think that, I mean, you might get lucky and you might be with one employer for a long period of time, but even then, you know, if you look at how money's been invested, mm -hmm. um, you know, the 401k money and mutual funds and pension funds, some of it's not there, some of it's been invested poorly, uh, you know, especially with this last downturn, uh, you know, to me this is all about, um, awareness and financial security and 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 taking control of you know what was always rightfully yours and not turning it over to somebody um you know which has always been kind of the rich dad message which is why robert 
uh, endorse the book because, you know, this is about, you know, just kind of wake up. Nobody's saying, you know, quit your job. Nobody's saying that. What, what I'm saying is, you know, what you ought to do is be looking around for other ways to supplement your income, and that could grow into a business. That's incredible. Yeah, you say people uh, don't aspire to thrive that much anymore as, a, as opposed to they aspire to survive. Uh, and I think you quoted Seth Godin uh, in the book. He said the obedient worker bought uh, into a, a sucker's deal. And so it's really uh, the land and the world of the entrepreneur. I believe it is. I, I really do believe it is. I, I think people are waking up and they're seeing their parents. You know, the big thing is that what, you know, these kids are coming out of school, and as you know, no kid wants to do with their parent or listen to their parent anyway. Right. But, <laughs> you know, but, you know, look at, look at what, what's happening. The parents both worked for the most part. Right. Um, both saved and, you know, in most cases, in many, 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 many cases, uh, a lot of those parents are now going to have to work uh, well beyond retirement. And, you know, so the kids are going, well, you know, why would we do what you did? Like, here mm-hmm. you are. With, you don't have a home. You lost it because you refied and bought, you know, all kinds of toys and things and went on vacations. And, and the money that you invested or had your employer invested is gone. And, and you, you know, you just you, – you, there's just the – retirement in this country is, you know, that's the next big, big problem. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people don't have the means to retire, and so their kids are sitting there going, "Well, so let me let me get this straight. Go to school, get a good job, does not work, you know." Let's talk about that. You talked about the the uh, what we call uh, the echo boomers or the millennials, uh, and I remember watching a. Um, uh, a segment on 60 Minutes about this particular population, which I think is the second largest population since the baby boomers. Uh, and it's quite fascinating, uh, their uh, psychographics and their, and, their, and their mindset. Talk a little bit about the millennials uh, or echo boomers and what can we expect from them? How do we motivate them? What can we do to, you know, ensure that uh, uh, they don't make uh, the mistakes that we've made in the past? Well, here's the here's the good part. They don't have credit, and they don't have um, a lot of life experience. Um, so it's not like they're they're um, losing anything. You know, they're just trying to gain um, experience and wisdom. And and so so what I've seen so far is that these folks are very environmentally conscious. Um, so, um, you know, and, and they're most, they're most, they don't need a lot. You know, they grew up in a, you know, in, in a, um, very much of a social, uh, and a tech kind of a boom, as you know. And, um, they're, they want to be mobile. They don't necessarily want to be tied to a cube or an office. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if you, you know, there's a, there's thousands of businesses, um, you know, that are adapting to, you know, Google's a great example of, you know, you walk in and there's no offices, right? You're all connected. You sit down, uh, you have your laptop, you do your work and, um, you, you, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of businesses that have become very progressive to, you know, to try to, uh, you know, attract, you know, that, that worker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, you say young energy can only uh, get you so far, but experience and wisdom are must-have uh, commodities. So that, that's that's never going to grow old. No, you know, you still uh, obviously, and that's why I think that you know it's interesting the 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 uh, baby boomer generation right now is the fastest growing segment for entrepreneurs. Um, and I think that's basically out of necessity, you know, right? You know, I mean, I know when I was in my 20s, I didn't have a care in the world, you know. I was like, you know, I might have 10 bucks in my wallet, you know, and uh, my, my, my gas tank was empty, but it didn't bother me, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but, I know but I know, you know, uh, it's much different if you're 60, and, um, you know, you may be facing some health issues, maybe you don't have a job. You know, you're really, what you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to make sure that you're not a burden on your family, perhaps, or your kids, or, or whatever, and you're trying to, you want a, a lifestyle with it that you don't have to work, um, you know, until you're 80. And um, and you need a little money on your hip for you know medical unforeseen medical or or maybe some travel or vacation or things and things that you know I think that everyone's entitled to do um, and I so I think they're each each age group is significantly different on you know what's important to them um, so that's why I'm not at all uh, surprised that you know that seventy uh, sixty you know fifty five plus age group is the fastest um, entrepreneur group. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are—they're the ones that are going to bring the network, the people, the wisdom, um, and perhaps even some money, to, you know, to start some of these businesses. Well, you were talking about in the book a new, kind of like a new entrepreneurial system uh, of loosely connected, you know, entrepreneurs who come together for you know various projects, uh, and then they go their own way, their separate ways. Uh, uh, to a team and team up with other workers and what have you. So it's it's it's, it's different uh, in in the way that this this new entrepreneur is shaping up and how they're acting and working and creating uh, industry. It is. It's fascinating to me. I, you know, I, I I'm I uh, as you know, like for for example, this book that I just published, I decided to self-publish. The um, the others I did with a major publishing house and. You know, so just as an example, my first three books that I did uh, with Robert, I turned over to this major publishing house in New York, and they did everything, you know, legal, and they went through the whole copy editing, copywriting, pagination, all that stuff. They go all through it. It comes back to me in a fairly finished form. So, but, you know, that old model is going down because of, you know, the e-books and, you know, people can download it on their Kindle before they hop on a flight now and they're not necessarily going to these bookstores anymore. Mm-hmm. So so I, I decided to go, you know, this other route and self-publish just because I wanted to do it and see what it was like. And, you know, it was it was eight or nine people that had little businesses that did all these little functions. You know, there was somebody that did proofreading, you know. I didn't even know there was a proofreader business, but there is, you know. And, and it's funny, you know. It was all a little bit here, a little bit there, all very reasonable priced, and they did it from their homes. And um, and I just, it was really easy, really simple once you figure out the network. And, um, you know, and the next thing you know, the book was done, and it was done just fine, like, you know, like my others. And, and I, I just think there's a lot of folks out there. Uh, and, and the other thing is I, I actually find enjoyment to, I'd rather pay that person, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would. I would rather pay that person to, you know, proofread my book than some 
somebody sitting in New York, you know, uh, that's that, uh, that's on a salary. That's that's absolutely right. Of course, you know, the benefit of self-publishing is that you keep a larger percentage of the profits, and so you are able to help more people uh, in the process of your network as well. Uh, you know what was fascinating in the in the book. Um, you, you really caught uh, my attention uh, when you when you said talk, when you t- talked about letting go of friends. Uh, you know the people in your social environment who are telling you or reminding you what you can't do and that it's going to be hard. Uh, most people don't talk about that, uh, especially as it relates to entrepreneurialism. So I thought that was fascinating. Talk to me about the importance of that for people who are um, uh, are entrepreneurs or thinking about becoming one. That you know the people that are around you are very very important. Yeah, I I I think this is probably one of the most important points, whether it's business or personal, that people often don't get. And I think you know if you look around at the group of folks that you hang with. That's who you are, and that's how people associate you. Mm-hmm. So not not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's the way it is. So, you know, if um, if if you are if you're if you're hanging out with folks, let's say, and all they do is talk about how something can never work, you know, that's your support group. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, my experience has been that, you know, back, I guess this is back several, many years ago, I kind of decided to cut out, you know, negative influence type people, you know what I mean? And I call them, I call them energy suckers. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever that is, you know, whoever they were and whatever reason why, you know, typically it was a childish issue or whatever situation they were in at the time. But, you know, you know the type that, you know, they're right, they all, you know, and all they want to do is talk about everything that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just kind of moved myself out of that arena and slowly built my, you know, my own little network of friends and family, um, you know, that were, you know, maybe had a little bit more optimistic view on stuff. And I just... And it does help because the conversation is healthier. It's better. Um, now, it's not always realistic, and, you know, that's a big piece. You have to make sure that, you know, anything that you're going to do, any venture you're going to do, you know, makes sense. Um, but, uh, it, it, you know, if you're always around somebody that's going to continue to tear down, um, it's just not healthy. Absolutely. You, you know what I also love about uh, of this, this book, and 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 uh, it's it's absolutely a must read, and not a must read. It's 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 a must have. It's like a reference manual for entrepreneurs, in my in my opinion. Uh, but you talk about failure because one of the biggest fears uh, for anyone going into uh, business uh, and 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 uh, you know moving into their entrepreneurial. Uh, uh, spirit is that oh my God, what happens if I fail? And, and you say that one of the keys of, of success is figuring out how to master the process of failing fast and cheap <laughs> and learning yeah. from failures. I love that. It's true. Uh, you know, Robert and I both say, you know, the people who fail fast um, are the ones that become successful quicker, you know, and, and you know, you just want to make sure that it doesn't take the whole, you know, the whole house of cards down. So, you know, I'm a, 
I'm a risk taker, but it's I would say it's calculated risk, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean I don't I don't just jump forward into something without weighing a lot of, you know, what potentially could go right or wrong. Um so that you know, you you do have to have a bit of a filter and that and that can be oftentimes, you know, we were talking about the people that are around you, they can certainly help in that regard. But I, I think that nothing ventured, nothing gained. You know, if, if you if you have the mindset that you're just afraid to make a move, um, then you know you won't, and you'll just be stuck in that spot, and you'll be, um, you know, wondering why. And and I, I just, it's it's interesting as you know as as you know yourself, and I know as you. You just try new ventures. You learn new people. You, you know, it's it's not at all ever the way you thought it was going to be. But you, you, you know, you do end up a little bit better, um, you know. And, uh, and and I just I think failure is a big big factor that helps holds people back. Well, you know, one of the other uh, uh, things that you said that I thought was uh, very very necessary to to talk about in most. Uh, entrepreneurs uh, don't uh, successful entrepreneurs, I should say, don't talk about it, or maybe don't know how to language it. But you talk about your viewpoint on handling failure can be generational. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, it's it's kind of related to what we were just talking about. But you know, there's um, I just think we, we you know we grew up my, even my parents, right? I, I remember the first time I told my dad that this is like ten years ago. You know, I started a business and I lost two hundred fifty thousand, right? <laughs> and I, I, he almost had a coronary right there. <laughs> and I, I was like, you know, to me it was like, yeah, you know, I completely messed up the business. I miscalculated. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But to him, that was, you know, his life savings, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just, you know, and for me, I was like, well, you know, it was a good lesson, and, and I learned all these things, and and um, and. It, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back up to the plate and swing it again, and and I just you know generationally I think you, you know what you say to your your um, kids or your friends and family is very powerful. You know, um, I I for example I've got my kids. My kids are 11 and uh, 10 and 13, almost 11, and uh, you know they're they're already they've got two businesses right now. You know, little businesses that they're working on, um, you know, summer type stuff, you know, where I'm trying to teach them sales and, you know, and all these little things and, and uh, you know, as, and, you know, and that's what we, that you know, that's what, and they make a bunch of money and, and then, you know, they're asking for money all year, which is also helpful. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I know. You know, it's a, all they do is they go out on the golf course at night and they get golf balls and they sell them back to the golfers. And um, I think this summer they'll probably make a thousand dollars. And you know, so uh, you know, and and you know, when you're ten years old, you have you know five one hundred dollar bills in your wallet. Uh, you know, all of a sudden when they're at the store and they want something, um, you know. Typically, it was, hey, Dad, Mom, can I have this? And you know, the answer is always no. But it's like, do you want to do you want to use your own money? And they're like, nah, you know, I'll think about it. Yeah, how about that, huh? Yeah, I just, you know, it's, it's. I think it's just really important, uh, you know, 
to just try to I, and I, and my wife and I are aligned where I don't care what my kids do. I really don't. I don't. You know, if they can do whatever they want, mm-hmm. but I do want them to. I do want them to know that if they're ever in a situation that they do have the ability to make money somehow. That is absolutely incredible. I commend you on that. One of the things that I, I want to talk about now is. Uh, some of the we, we we talk about your wisdom. I want to talk about a, a little bit of the wisdom from uh, the entrepreneurs that uh, you featured in the book. And basically, what I'm going to do is just kind of go over some of the things that you know they said, and just have you kind of comment on them. Like Carol Frank uh, talked about the importance of, or she feels the importance of having more than one lawyer. Most people have never heard that before. Yeah. Well, I will tell you from personal experience, um, you know, a lawyer, um, just because they're a lawyer doesn't mean that they think, um, they all think the same way. So, you know, we, I, I have lawyers, some are really litigious, some are, some like to solve problems, um, you know, and trust me, the billing on one or the other is significantly different. (laughs) You know, one one likes to continue on and bill, and the other one likes to solve and move on. Uh, but then there's all always then there's all kinds of different attorneys. There's you know there's a patent attorney, there's a trademark attorney, there's attorneys for business, there's attorneys for real estate. You know, there's sure. there's attorneys for inter, international law, attorneys for securities. So you just you know once you kind of get into the business of whatever it is you want to do, you just need to realize that. Uh, you need to have somebody that's a, that's a, is a, can provide a specialty in the area you need. Uh, Richard, uh, I believe it's a, is it uh, Levinson? Yeah. Uh, he, I love this. He says, work on your business, but not in your business. Yeah, yeah. So there's another great quote. Um, it's uh, it's a great one that you picked that. So there's a there's a book I can't remember the author years ago I read this it's over ten years ago I think that was the exact title. So what happens oftentimes is people start a business. Um, for example, you know maybe they maybe they buy a franchise or maybe they start a small business, and they think that they're an entrepreneur or a business owner, and they are um, because they show up every day and they're you know they're there from you know eight to eight at night or whatever, and they're working it and they're working hard and they're um, but what happens is you're basically just an employee of the business. And, and so what he's saying there, which I couldn't agree more on, is, is you need to be strategic. How do you get more customers? How do you grow your revenue? You know, how do you keep your expenses down as opposed to just kind of, you know, running a cash register and, and providing a service? You know what I mean? That's incredible. Uh yeah, Eileen uh, Spittleney uh, of uh, Fairy Tale Brownies. Love that story. Oh, you got people. You got to read that story. It's an incredible, incredible story. Uh, she said, "Be ready for where you're going before you get there." Yeah, well, Eileen's a good friend of mine. She started Fairy Tale Brownies. Uh, it is one of the most successful food businesses on the internet. Uh, she started out with a huge bang. Um, you know, she started out cooking brownies on her stove at home in Phoenix, Arizona, and now she has a huge factory, you know, the size of Costco. 
Um, and uh, you know, she she's she, she I think she won. Well, she did win the Entrepreneur of the Year with the Inc. Magazine and uh, Ernest and Young and. And, um, you know, she is a visionary. And so what what she's saying is, um, you know, it, it's really a lot of times people put together these, these goal sheets or these, uh, you know, these one-year, five-year goals. I think those are important. But the truth is there's a lot that comes at you. Um, and and what, what she's saying is, you know, you need to set the benchmark kind of high on what your expectation is of the business. So you can't just kind of get into the business and run it. You should have some projections of, you know, what it is that you want to do and make them lofty so that, you know, you're kind of driving toward that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I think it was Derek Volpa. Uh, yeah. He said uh, he, rec- he recommends having a supportive spouse, and if you are single, he says that's even better. And I find that fascinating because <laughs> I always I, uh, uh, I always tell people that Robert Kiyosaki is the reason that I got a divorce uh, because I was sitting there, he was doing my television show, and right there he said, if you don't have the right spouse or you're not married to the right person or in the right relationship, forget about it. And I swear to God, uh, less than six months later, I filed. Talk to people about the importance of this because this is really, really important. Some people are just trying to stick it out, hang it out, and hope it gets better, but sometimes it does not. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes it does not. I I think, well, you know, obviously Kim and Robert are very close to me, um, and um, I um, I witnessed firsthand the the uh, the work that they do. Uh, they're both committed to the relationship. They're both committed to um, you know to making it work, um, and they're both committed to the business, and they're aligned in in, in that. And I I think that what what he's saying and what I've seen is um, you know and we've seen this with people come to let's say one of the uh, Roberts workshops or something. I mean you'll see the woman who, you know, signed the husband up and the husband's there just because she signed him up and, and you know, he's not happy to be there and he doesn't agree with all of this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what he's talking about is, is um, you know, you know how open are they to, um, you know, bettering themselves or, or uh, improving and, and moving on or, or are they kind of stuck in a rut? And just because they're stuck in a rut doesn't mean that that's bad, but can you get them unstuck and, you know, and and um, and I also think that you know that can change. You know, you can meet somebody when you're married, and uh, ten years later, uh, you know, their goals and values might be completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a whole nother book and a whole nother conversation, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> as as Bernie Mac would say, let's move on. <laughs> Uh, one of uh, one of my good friends and one of your good friends and also one of the entrepreneurs featured in the book, which is one of the reasons that you and I are, are talking today, is Cindy Smart uh, yeah. of Smart Entertainment. Uh, how did you choose her? And Well, of course, I already know, but how did you choose her and, and, and why? Because I think she's absolutely brilliant. She is. Uh, well, Cindy is an EO, and we, you know, we had met uh, through EO, and I was just, I was always impressed with um, her values. And as you know, that is her big thing. And she's obviously very spiritual as well, but but 
she just has amazing values, and I think that um, uh, you know, in in the world of you know the corporate corruption and and you know everybody's kind of out for the big you know for the dollar. Um, you know, she just really stuck out, and um, you know, in, in how she wrote and what she said, and and I, I think that um, what was interesting in most of the stories is almost nobody uh, was interested in actually just making the money. They were actually more in, they were passionate about what she, what they do, and and for Cindy. She what she saw was this big company doing business the wrong way, and she said, "I can do it uh, the right way," and uh, and it worked just just because of how she did business, you know. And she didn't know how she was going to compete, but she did. And now, as you know, she's incredibly successful. Absolutely. Winding down here, uh, Ken, and, and again, I thank you for the time that you you're sharing with me. Uh, you know, every every time uh, an author uh, produces a book, uh, especially a book of this, uh, they learn something about themselves that they uh, may not have uh, uh, they they may not have been aware of uh, uh, previously. In this book, what did you learn about yourself or about your business or or or, or emotionally? Wow, that's a fabulous question. Um, I think I learned. Well, I, I learned several things, and Robert um, is. Robert told me right after I wrote my first book. He said, um, "You're clearer, aren't you?" And I said, "Yes, I am." So, in other words, I was doing a lot of business, um, and I had a very successful company, and I still do. But after I wrote the book, I was much clearer on because you know you you take all the all the noise in your head and you put it down on paper and you want it to be correct and accurate and well written um you have to focus and you have to think about it more it's it's hard to explain but um and so it's the same thing with this book where i was um i had an opportunity to talk to all these entrepreneurs and what i didn't realize i was going to get was so many valuable lessons and so many valuable things um and and these folks a lot of them just poured their heart out and um uh, and they're pa- they're really passionate about their business which is how I am about my business so it was nice to see that everybody was very much aligned um and it wasn't really all about just making a bunch of money and mm-hmm. um and it was really nice to see that, and it was also really nice to see that a lot of these folks had done a tremendous amount for for charitable ventures too, a mm-hmm. tremendous amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can uh, people get in contact with you or the book? Uh, well, uh, there is a website uh, called uh, thesleepinggiant.com. Okay. Um and and uh, that's the easiest way and it's a, you know it's also available on Amazon and you know and can be downloaded and, and all that. And tell us about uh entrepreneurs organization. What is the web address for them? It's um it's eo uh entrepreneursorganization.org. Fantastic. Fantastic. Ken McElroy, you are absolutely fantastic. Uh, you're a blessing to the planet uh, with this wonderful uh, work and information that you have been disseminating for many years, and we wish that you have many more years to do so because it's so necessary and so needed. 
uh, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Yeah, thank you enough for having me on. I appreciate it very much. All right, my friend. We'll talk soon. Okay, take care now. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.